But what's happening is cadets are going into the academy. Instructors are driving PT and grinding cadets into the ground, and they're graduating in 12 weeks broken. Welcome to a podcast dedicated toward the distribution of evidence-based application of research, information, and training methods to assist the wellness initiative of the fire and rescue community. I'm your host, Hussein Jabat, and this is RIT Team Radio. Welcome everyone to episode one of RIT Team Radio, where we're going to talk about fire cadet preparedness, chasing unclear objectives for an undefined job. Now, to specify at the beginning of this podcast episode, we're talking about the Fire Academy. And to give some background uh, to those that are not as involved, say I'm talking to tactical strength and conditioning professionals. Uh, I might be, if you're the tactical operator, then you are more than aware of this. Uh, but for those that are getting into tactical strength and conditioning, understand that the Fire Academy, uh, give or take, is going to be about 12 to 14 weeks, specifically the fire side. Then you're going to attach uh, more of that EMT and paramedic um, uh, certification and, and education beyond that. But just looking at fire, uh, just looking at firefighting, your uh, basic academy is going to be about 12 weeks. Um, the academies that I've had the privilege and continue to have the privilege to work with and collaborate alongside. Uh, they are uh, about 12 weeks. And so I have 12 weeks of preparation with them. I either work directly with um, the physical fitness instructors. So I work alongside uh, providing more consulting, uh, professional development for those that might not have a training certification, a fitness instructor certification. I work alongside with them providing uh, professional development to get them not only the credential, but the uh, baseline level of education when providing that service. Because strength and conditioning, being a physical fitness instructor is a scope of practice. And that's a whole nother realm. That's a whole nother discussion that we will have. But for the sake of this, um, that, that's just one area I offer. But in other, uh, other with other entities, uh, with other programs, because every program is unique, I actually serve as the strength and conditioning professional, the physical fitness instructor. So having that perspective, understanding that 12 weeks, you are working with a group of cadets for 12 weeks. What does physical fitness look like and what should be the purpose of that uh, overall program? Now, we know that the academy from a tactical side of things is more of occupational preparedness, not as much. Uh, or occupational prep, uh, preparation, and not as much mission preparedness. And what I mean by that is you're developing very basic skills that you need to expand and, and learn uh, actual implementation or uh, diverse implementation when you're within the agency and you do not only onboarding, but you go through a lot more extensive training. And then that's where you gather uh, a higher level of mission readiness. The academy in itself is more occupational preparedness. How do I uh, work with uh, a cadet to get to them to a point so when they're in an agency, yes, they can serve uh, within that agency and be able to provide and, and serve their community. It's not like they can't uh, respond to calls. What I'm saying is the level of training isn't to the extent uh, of being very sound in all different scenarios and all different emergencies and situations. So that's where, how can we utilize the academy? This is the front line. This is the initial impression. If these individuals, if personnel have not volunteered somewhere, 
this is initially their first impression of what uh, physical fitness looks like within the field. This is what physical fitness looks like for firefighters. And depending on how you portray that, how you administer your, your strength and conditioning program, how you uh, instruct in the words that come out of your mouth as a physical fitness instructor, you are impacting these cadets to create habits and to develop tools or potentially not develop tools that they're going to need throughout the longevity of their career. Because it's not, uh, tactical operators are not, you know, peaking for this uh, three to five year lifespan as an athlete and peaking for individual competitions. You're talking about 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years, you know, and, and drifting into administrative roles and so forth. But you're talking about this longevity of a career. How do we develop tools? How do we provide resources to these cadets? So that they know not only this is how you train in an academy, but this is how you continue to train throughout the transitions in, into, into an agency, into a department. And then throughout the duration of your career, how do you continue to take care of yourself? And yes, continue education plays a huge role in this, but the academy is setting the tone and setting the pace. You're providing the foundation of what physical fitness looks like. Now, there are plenty of academies I've uh, chatted with where they do not even have a strength and conditioning program, or if they do, uh, nothing is structured, nothing's in place. It's pretty much depending on who's taking over instruction for the day. And then they kind of decide, you know, what's going on in that setting. That's a whole nother issue. That's a whole nother discussion. I'm going over basically uh, issues we run into with uh, the actual preparation or the goals of the pr uh, preparation of the cadets. With a strength and conditioning program, especially a 12-week strength and conditioning program, we need to be realistic. What is the current status of cadets coming in? And then what kind of fitness level, what kind of expectations do you have for these cadets to graduate? And so depending on the instructor, you might have this notion. Some instructors are like, we just do PT because it's a thing. Because everyone knows cardiovascular disease, CVD, and cardiac events are that leading cause of fatality. Now, what does that initially mean? You're just implementing it because of that, but there's so much, so many more reasons why we should have physical fitness. There are so many more reasons why and more aspects to training than just cardiovascular fitness and cardiovascular health. What about flexibility and mobility? You talk about hip pain. Uh, knee pain, back pain, uh, joint issues. You talk about quality of movement, just quality of life. That's one area. What about hydration? What does hydration replenishment and tactical fueling look like? I mean, these are different areas that just from observation discussions are not uh, presented within the academy. What's unfortunate is uh, the fact that there's not as much fitness and wellness curriculum within the academy. So Cadets rely on what PT or what physical training uh, looks like to provide them an education front. So anything you do for training, realistically, for those that do not train, they're going to continue doing, if they continue to train, they're going to continue doing those exercises and that programming through the extent of their career. Unless they learn different, maybe they go into an, uh, an agency that has a wellness program. Maybe within that agency, you know, they do workshops or, or they continue to learn. But uh, unless that's provided uh, to personnel, sometimes that's the extent uh, of their fitness and wellness education. Now, diving back to the actual program in itself is 
what realistically, what are we trying to accomplish out of 12 weeks? Now, within the strength and conditioning community, we know 12 weeks is plenty of time to have adaptations and actually acquire uh, improvements in components of fitness, such as power and strength and these different parameters in cardiovascular fitness, right? There's there, we completely know that improvements can happen, but we have to be realistic. We have to be realistic, one, in the current status of a cadet coming in, but then two, what our expe expectations are of a cadet after they graduate. And the hardest part of establishing what our goals are for graduation is we have not defined the job in itself. And it's all independent. It's all unique to the actual department or agency or entity that the firefighter is going to serve, the community in which they're going to serve. Because every agency has a different number of calls with different level of of strain with different call time, uh, types, different specialty teams, different uh, uh, infrastructure in the cities in which they operate, if they're structural versus if they're a wildland for a uh, firefighter. So every agency is going to be unique. So you have to define the entities in which they are going to uh, operate under. So uh, from a regional academy or a local academy, you might do a JTA or a job task analysis of these local fire departments in which the cadets, once they graduate, they're going to serve because that's the, that's, that's the expectation. Once they go into these agencies, they have to be able to operate at the level, the pace, uh, the, the overall um, uh, just occupational readiness and, and mission readiness that is expected of incumbents within that agency. And that's dictated by the community in which that agency serves. If you can't define that, what are you prepping cadets for? We know, well, we know what we're prepping them for. We want them to be faster, stronger, more efficient, have more work capacity. Like we know why, but we don't initially know where we're trying to push them to. We're trying to push them. We're trying to improve these fitness components. But to what extent? Uh, if we can't define the job, if we can't say what are performance markers. Now, when I say can't define the job, I'm not saying especially tactical operators, the majority of personnel that are going to be listening to this you, you know what a firefighter does, okay? You know what job tasks look like. What I'm saying is how much strength does it take to actually have full bunker gear on, have your SCBA on, have you know all your equipment, and then climb upstairs, right? Do a stair climb. How much lower body strength? Because I know it takes lower body strength to an extent to be able to just go from step to step. And that way, each individual step doesn't take as much effort, but then it takes muscular endurance to continuously walk up those stairs and perform them for repetition after repetition for a period of time. So we know there's two those two different components, at least. Uh, we should know there's some sort of uh, core stability that's required when we have uh, either a hotel a pack or a high-rise bundle over one shoulder, and we're having to maintain stability with load carriage uh, with our core. So we know it takes core stability, but how much? How, what are the actual performance indicators that say, this is what you need to perform these tasks? Those indicators, those metrics are not out there. That's one uh, huge avenue, one uh, area in which you know, our research team is, is very ambitious to explore, but those indicators aren't out there. When you talk about forceful entry, right? We know there's a rotational component to it. If we break down the movement, there's rotation of swinging the ax to hit the halligan. Fantastic. How much power does it take to actually swing and hit the halicin and breach the door and hit, you know, drive it into the door jam? How much rotational power? 
first we defined it was rotational power, but again, how much? And then can we assess that? Can we actually measure those power dynamics? What about the Halligan tool in itself manipulating? Once it's wedged into the door jam, we're pressing up, we're pulling straight down, we're uh, standing against it, leaning into it, driving into it. Uh, we're doing these different maneuvers to try and pry the door open. And we know, okay, this takes strength. The axe uh, hitting against the Halligan is more power. Now there's different postural positions. You might be uh, kneeling, you might be close up to the Halligan because it's dark and uh, you can't really see and you don't want to uh, you don't want to hit someone and, and you don't want to miss, right? So you're probably closer up um, and, and smaller swings. You might have an opportunity as sometimes where you can have more of a full swing and a lot more uh, powerful, a lot more speed behind the axe. But you might be kneeling. You might be leaning against the wall because it's at a corner of a hallway. Um, it might You might be postural position where you're leaning against the rail. There's so many different factors to it. But if we can look, just generalize that position and we can generalize that movement and that that pattern, if I asked you how how powerful do you have to be to actually swing the axe, hit the halligan and breach the door, granted, I know I'm going in circles where there's so many factors, the type of door, the frame, the bolts, um, the you know, the, there's so many factors to it. But at the end of the day, that's where you have to be able to have some sort of metric and it's not just forcible entry. It's not just stair climb. What about throwing a ladder? How much upper, how much core strength, how much upper body strength does it take to be able to uh, to uh, throw and set a ladder? How much, you know, uh, just overall posterior chain strength and, and muscular endurance of the legs to be able to pull, do a, a victim drag. And depending on how you're performing the victim drag, can you provide performance metrics to these tasks. That's what, when I say define the job, that's what I'm saying, because we can we can define the tasks. You can go, okay, these are the tasks. This is the duration. This is the energy system. This is the movement pattern. But can we say the minimum? What is the minimum amount of power? What is the minimum amount of strength? What is the minimum amount of cardiovascular fitness for these tasks? Because then, only then will we have a solid and very transparent goal of what a, an academy needs to help a cadet get to. Once you can define these job tasks, once you can truly establish that we need so much power and rotational in, in this transverse plane performing a rotational movement, and let's associate it with a very simpli uh, simplistic fitness assessment, let's say a lateral or a rotational medicine ball throw, because this is a power, this is a rotational power fitness assessment. If I tell you that the minimum I need you to throw this 10 pound ball is 15 meters or 10 meters. If I say that's the minimum to graduate, because we know that correlates to be able to performing a forceful entry job task, then you have something to shoot for. So when a cadet comes in and can only throw the ball five meters or five feet or whatever your uh, in comparison, your distance distance with metrics was, then you know what point A to point B is. But unless you can define the job, unless you can clearly establish what these performance metrics are, then we're trying to just build up cadets to as high as possible, just hoping it's enough. Now, I'm not saying don't, uh, don't, don't push someone to their fitness level, their full fitness potential. I'm not saying you can't continue to drive the ceiling and allow someone to excel beyond what these performance markers are. 
But what's happening is cadets are going into the academy. Instructors are driving PT and grinding cadets into the ground, and they're graduating in 12 weeks broken. And we don't want that. We need to know where someone comes in on day one. We need to know where someone needs to be upon graduation. And there needs to be realistic expectations. In 12 weeks, there's only so much you can improve in. There's only so much you can actually progress. So where is our graduation metric? And if someone comes in on day one, and we're noticing that cadets are coming in and nowhere close, like in 12 weeks, we can just, we cannot build them up to par, then one of two things need to happen. We need to set enrollment or entry level testing saying, if you want to work within this academy, if you want to come to this academy and prep and, and be able to graduate and uh, be able to be hired as a firefighter, then you need to meet these fitness expectations that allows us to work with you. So after these 12 weeks, we know you're going to be up to par. So that's one route, actually having entry-level testing. But two is having an onboarding process saying, hey, this is a 12-week academy. We need you at this fitness level. And if you're not, here's you know an eight-week plan to help you build up there. Now, you don't initially have to supervise them during that process, but those eight weeks are going to be critical because now they're able to uh, go through these levels of improvements to get to a point. So now when they're with you, they're at least at this minimum. You know, every person walking in that door, hopefully is at this minimum. So then you have uh, a higher level of assurance knowing after 12 weeks that you're able to get them from point A to point B. So overall, we're going uh, through this, this aspect, through this whole ideology that we're prepping cadets uh, for mission readiness, we're prepping them to respond to these calls. We're prepping them to perform job tasks. Fantastic, but what does that look like? What is bare minimum performance metrics? What are bare minimum uh, performance indicators to say you are able to perform and, and uh, complete and execute job tasks? So overall, it's about being able to take a step back, conduct a job task analysis, uh, actually, actually observe training. Actually, if you're the tactical operator, because many of you are going to be firefighters listening to this, you need someone, whether it's a training coordinator, a tactical strength and conditioning coordinator, uh, or instructor, uh, maybe a third party entity to come in and conduct a job task analysis and go, especially if your agency hosts your own academy, you need to do a JTA on your agency and go, these are the tasks this is how long it performs the task. This is the level of the intensity, the energy system, the movement pattern, the musculature associated, right? Like this is how we further define the job, not just a list of tasks. Let's truly define these tasks. So when we're working within an academy, we know where point A is and we know where point B is. So overall, let's get better at defining the job. Let's get better at actually establishing performance markers, performance metrics that we're going to observe and look at and utilize them as in indicators of improvement. So again, it's not that uh, overall the program is horrible. We just need to know where, we're, where we need to get cadets to. And once we establish the job, that's how we know where to build our cadets. So through this podcast, through RIT Team Radio, I want you to think about this as a way of, of, of observing research, uh, gathering information on uh, just general scopes of practice out there, different practitioners or professionals that might be able to assist um, the field. Uh, I want you to learn different 
uh, training methodology and programming. I want this to be a beneficial podcast for you, uh, for the fire and ser- uh, fire service, the fire and rescue community. And hopefully if you benefit this, fantastic. I'm not asking anything from you other than if you like this episode, if you like this podcast, please share, share this message out to the fire and rescue community. And if you have questions, feel free to reach out, send me an email, uh, feel free to go to the uh, the website, the contact form, complete the form. I'm definitely here uh, for you guys. Again, whether you are within the fire and rescue community as a tactical operator or as a tactical strength and conditioning instructor, let's always, I always drive back to the motto I hear in the fire service where uh, the motto goes, leave it better than you found it. Um, ever since I've been working with the fire community, every, ever since I've been working within the tactical population, I heard this mainly from the fire side, leave it better than you found it. That's been my number one objective. Every, every time I uh, enter and, and work with and collaborate with an academy, with an agency, I'm always trying to develop that program, whether I'm the person driving that or I'm just consulting or I'm providing information, just relaying it out there. So if you find this helpful, feel free to share. And until next time, guys, this is RIT Team Radio, episode number one, talking about cadet preparedness. How do we establish uh, what we're aiming for, for job uh, readiness if we do have an unclear objective?